Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels, the show where we talk about video games, we cover the news from the past couple of weeks and try to give it a little bit of an analysis and uh, see what does it mean. We sort of ask the question, what does it mean when Sony announces something or when Nintendo does crappy smartphone games and we let go of our hate and anger and just try to understand. Uh, that is the case for me. We're going to see if Scott Johnson... My co-host for the day is going to manage to let go of his anger towards Nintendo. Oh, I don't know if I can. I don't know. It's just been it's been brewing in me so long that I'm ready to turn green and be angry. <laughs> no, I, I don't freaking. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's not as bad, you know, because they announced a, a, their first smartphone game and it's not what some might have expected. Uh, before that, we're going to go over what happened in uh, at the Paris Games Week. We're going to go over our second impressions of Overwatch. Uh, and at the end of the show, we're going to do a end-of-year release bingo. So mm. we're going to tell you if we're just getting the games, if we're putting them in our Christmas list, or if we're just not interested Hopefully What's crazy is it's that it's it's that time of year. Like we're kind of there now, where all those final releases are just about to hit, and it feels like it got here way too fast. It's just freaking <laughs> out a little bit. So many games to play. It's pretty pretty incredible. Uh, we're gonna go over through the October, November, and the one December release. Um, so we'll go over everything, everything. Oh. Let's start, though, with the Paris Games Week and the Sony press conference that was given there. Uh, the Paris Games Week is a pretty substantial uh, consumer show. It's smaller than something like uh, Gamescom, which is a sweaty German people feast. It's... <laughs> It is kind of disgusting. Uh, Paris Games Week is uh, about... So just so you get an idea, uh, Gamescom is 350,000 visitors. Uh, of course, the people who get who go there multiple times, multiple days, get counted multiple times. Uh, same yeah. for Paris Games Week, which is 250,000 or more or less. So wow, it's not that's nothing. A, that's, a, that's not big. That's not nothing. That's huge. That's actually a really big uh, number. That's yeah. gigantic. I think a lot of people don't realize the love that people have for video games in France. Um, there's, it's really a healthy uh, ecosystem there. And, uh, you know, we have Ubisoft, which is one of the biggest um, uh, publishers on the, on the, in the industry. And uh, there's, a, there's a very, uh, you know, core love for gaming and uh, all things tech. So. That's great. Well, way to go, France. You just you're blowing us away at every turn. You, you... <laughs> well, maybe not every turn, but 
Um, so it was nice, actually, of uh, Sony. They did a, a little bit of a France special at the end of their press conference there. Um, they introduced a couple of games that were created by uh, French companies. The first one is Wild by Wild, Wild Cheap, which is the company of Michel Ancel, who you probably don't know, but he created Rayman. So that's oh, something I'm that... I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware of that guy. I freaking love him. I think the Rayman series is one of the most uh, delightful things in the history of ever. And uh, yeah, no, he is, as far as I'm concerned, in gaming circles here in the States, he is he is one of those guys everyone holds high. He's awesome. Nice. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Proving me wrong again. Um, <laughs> and the other one was uh, Detroit by uh, Quantic Dreams, which is the uh, company from David Cage, who did things like Heavy Rain and uh, Beyond Two Souls, stuff like that. So both of those are PlayStation exclusives. Uh, Wild is a weird little game where you play a shaman trying to save the people of your um, tribe, and you go and and basically take control of different animals to traverse the environment, uh, overcome the uh, obstacles that are put in front of you, including a, a tribe of cannibals, which you distract with a rabbit. That was, it was kind of cool. And uh, Detroit is not... I mean, usually uh, David Cage does games that are very narrative-driven. They're almost uh, interactive storytelling things more than um, gameplay-focused games. And in this case, it seems to be, uh, again, a similar kind of uh, design where you play or you follow a an android uh, in a futuristic Detroit, which is uh, aware of her condition as an android and trying to understand what having a, a conscience and being human means in um, the middle of the city where androids are being used for, you know, tasks that humans don't want to do and things like that. Um, mm. And this is so far flung future. Do we know? I've, I've, I'm, this is the one I'm, I know precious little about. Do we know how far in the future this is set? Oh, uh, it seems uh, relatively near future. Obviously, there are androids, uh, human-looking looking android, not human-licking androids. So, <laughs> although maybe those they do that first. too. Yeah, those will come first. You just wait. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's f- not too far flung future. Maybe fifty, you know, seventy years, something like that. It looks like our present time except there's androids and and the kind of things that you see in in those movies which are usually uh ads in the street that are holographic and that's about the level of technology that they have uh come to yeah so um so did you see the the demo for or the gameplay video for wild uh, did you were interested I, I did watch some of that i think that looks pretty interesting um i think is that an ex- that's an exclusive right yeah both of those are exclusives I, I would assume most of these that they're showing off, um, or a lot of this stuff that they're talking yeah. about, are exclusives. Um, I'm, I'm noticing in both cases, and in just kind of in general, while these these, I don't know, I wouldn't classify these as AAA titles, although they may, uh, in quality and and reception, be perceived as such or even priced as such. But but I'm seeing a real trend on the Sony side and maybe even Microsoft side and other sides. I'm just seeing a real trend toward games and experiences from developers who are veterans but are kind of off on their own now or doing some stuff separate from their old big corporate overlords and they all they all feel conceptually a little more independent and um i think that's interesting it's interesting to see what i perceive as the entire industry taking a few steps back from you know multi-million dollar uh 
you know, celebrity voice acted motion captured spectacles and stepping back toward more uh, conceptually interesting um, you know, slightly. I don't know. Everything just bit, basically. I think what what you're trying to get at is that they're uh, games from auteurs, right? Yeah. When we have in in the movies, we have that, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they're they're high quality, but they have a, a artistic intent. Artistic, uh, yeah, artistic intent. I guess behind sure. them. Yeah, that's, Does definitely, that- that's definitely what I'm getting out of it. And it's yeah. and that gives it that kind of indie feel because indie developers are all about that. It's like two guys in a garage and they make Meat Boy and it's always, you know, it's their project. And there weren't, you know, 500 suits in charge of, of what direction they took. And I'm starting to feel like that's starting to happen here. It is like a filmmaker who you're used to seeing nothing but big blockbusters from breaking off and doing a you know, a, a, a little, you know, thing that he's wanted to do for years or something. And and I like this. This is a trend I'm kind of all for. I feel like it's economically uh, sensible in terms of where the industry is headed. But also I like it from from a creative perspective. And, and so I'm jazzed about titles like this. I think this stuff looks great. I think it also makes sense for the manufacturers, you know, for Sony and Microsoft. And it seems Sony is pushing this maybe a little bit harder than Microsoft, who's uh, doing a little bit more of a catching up. Uh, because the, 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 the way it makes sense is that obviously the AAAs are going to be on every console. Uh, or most of them, you know, they can pay a lot of money to get some timed exclusivity or, you know, maybe even total exclusivity, but usually that's reserved for their own productions, for first-party developers. But there's something in the middle between the AAAs uh, that are going to be everywhere, like Call of Duty or, you know, Destiny, things like that, and their first-party developers. There's the totally indie stuff in, in you know, in the background, which you mentioned with Super Meat Boy, maybe... Uh, Microsoft has been, uh, you know, pushing ID at Xbox for a while, and uh, they had the um, oh, what was that game that was so pretty that came out uh, exclusively? Oh, uh, 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 Ori uh, and the Blind Forest. Ori and the Blind Forest. That was yes. a fantastic game. X Blizzard um, people made that, by the way. Oh, really? Oh. I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, according, to, according to Holinka over there, uh, Brian over there at uh, Blizzard, he, they are all ex employees, and they make that. They made a pretty amazing game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, there's an in-between space, which is, you know, games with that kind of artistic intent that the the publisher, I'm sorry, the manufacturers can snag by getting maybe a little bit less of exclusivity money, because of course, it's, I'm sure there's money exchanging hands there uh, in, in some form. Maybe it's uh, marketing sure. money, maybe we don't know, but you know, I'm sure there is something. Um, and And they get... It, it gives their console an identity and it gives them something that makes them a little bit different beyond the AAA first party titles. So I think that's why we're seeing these maybe pop up a little bit more. And, you know, the fact that you have some developers that have been in those big production companies for a while and that are thinking, OK, now I want to do something that I actually want to do. So, so mm. well, there good, you go. uh, good uh, uh, context for that to happen. Sure. Um, Uncharted 4, they uh, said a little bit more about the multiplayer mode. And I think a lot of people, when they think of um, Uncharted, they don't really see the multiplayer as being anything, not even special, just anything at all. Uh, But it seems there are people that are really into the multiplayer for Uncharted. And I have to say that I played a little bit of the um, Uncharted 2 multiplayer, actually with uh, Hokito. Uh, And I think um, they they were really into this. I think Nicole Spag also played it for a while. It's 
it's surprisingly fun and addictive. You look at Uncharted, you wouldn't think that the multiplayer would be a thing even there, but it's actually pretty good. And in this version, they're adding things like grappling hooks and uh, abilities that are basically AI-controlled sidekicks that come into the play and uh, do something for you, like holding the opponent in place so you can go and shoot them or uh, healing you and stuff like that. And they even added mystical abilities that basically introduce some kind of supernatural powers into the game um, that are, I think, that might be reminiscent of the super or ultimates that we're seeing in Destiny or uh, even um, Overwatch. So that brings it a little bit more... Uh, it makes it a little bit more dynamic, and I'm actually surprised that I'm looking forward to trying it as well. Yeah, um, I played a ton of that multiplayer back in the day with Hakito and the Spags and uh, Liam O'Brien and a few other people where we were very regularly getting in there and playing that game, and it was surprising how much fun we had um, with the multiplayer. And I I don't know what it was, but they 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 built some modes around the traversal stuff that just made it feel a little bit different than your usual sort of, you know, deathmatch mode in an otherwise mostly single player game. So the fact that they're putting some emphasis on it is a good thing. I think that you, um, you want a game, you know, especially with big AAA titles. Now you want a game that's going to give, uh, have a little more lasting power than just the initial blast. And they had some pretty good response also from the multiplayer in last of us. Um, there were many, many people who were very devoted to that multiplayer mode. Oh, really? I never even tried it. I didn't realize there was one. Yeah, it's quite good. It was very tactical, very visceral, um, kind of hard to explain. It was much less twitchy and and a lot more about how you had to think and, and, and understand how the characters moved. And if you're, you know, if you're moving slowly, you're really going to put yourself in a exposed position and just much more tactical experience than people were maybe used to with that sort of game. And it was fascinating. And they, and they spent a lot of time updating that and tweaking it and making it better. So I have no doubt that um, Naughty Dog is, is interested in, in keeping, you know, keeping players happy on that front because they've done a pretty good job in the past. It just doesn't it, it's, it's just the kind of games that don't you know, automatically make you think multiplayer. Yeah. And on the face of it, you're like, wow, big epic storyline, amazing characters and all of that. Oh, there's multiplayer. Interesting is probably just tacked on there. But the truth is they, they really don't just tack it on. It's pretty strong. And I think a lot of people are going to... I mean, no one's going to get this game for the multiplayer, but I think a few people are going to get it for the single player and maybe uh, now get interested in the multiplayer because they pushing, they're pushing it a little bit more. And by the way, there's one thing that is really fun that I en- enjoyed in that uh, gameplay video they showed. is the dialogue. Uh, I always enjoy the wittiness of the dialogue in uh, Uncharted, maybe even more than the game itself. And the fact that there's some form of that in the multiplayer is actually making me more interested in it so um yeah yeah and it does seem like i don't know for you get more for for 60 bucks if you know they're spending real time on it that it isn't just something they think they'll put in there as a little bonus and i like that and and those guys i mean look they're they're as good as anybody is right now in the business at least it feels like it and uncharted 4 despite the huge amount of hype around it um, they have a good pedigree. They've they've delivered before. So I, everything about that game is exciting to me and I'm very excited for 2016 as a result. Same here. Um, Gravity Rush 2 had a short gameplay demo. They showed that uh, if you don't know what Gravity Rush is, it was that 
weird little uh, PlayStation Vita game that didn't do incredibly well. That uh, that but that did get a, co- a core uh, fan base that really loves the game. Uh, it's coming to PlayStation Four in as a remake, and uh, Gravity Rush Two is coming out uh, after afterwards. Um, there are three gravity styles. Basically, you control your character and you control the gravity around her um, which sounds weird and honestly the gameplay didn't convince me in the Vita game but maybe I'm, I'm going to check it out for sure on, uh, on on this one so you have different styles of gravity either you know lighter or heavier and there's an AI tag team uh, mode that they showed and I'm wondering if this isn't going to turn into a co-op mode I, I would be surprised if it didn't because it seems to make a lot of sense for a co-op mode and they're they're really playing up the second character that you can play uh so yeah if you're a fan of gravity rush you can look forward to that did you ever play it yeah i'm actually looking forward to that i played the crap out of it on the on the vita and i was compelled by everything about that game except its frame rate it kind of hampered it a bit it was a little bit slow and sloppy so i'm hoping that you know uh current gen console and you know optimization and everything else will make it a little better in that regard but the actual gameplay the mechanics and just the weird world that thing was set in really compelling so but what's what's the gameplay like then because i don't even you know i remember flinging myself from one wall to the other and not being certain where i was going or what i was doing even and yeah, it's a little disorienting for sure it's it's that kind of game that um it, it challenges your perceptions uh, in 3d space which again I, I quite liked about it but you had a lot of limitations like you could you could essentially change your gravity so that you could be standing on what used to be a ceiling or a surface that shouldn't be able to be stood upon, but you could only do it for a limited amount of time uh, or else you would, you would fall. Uh, eventually, it would, would kind of lose its grip, and you would upgrade your character through the game to have that time be longer and uh, other abilities that sort of maximized your time in that space. But uh, it created really interesting scenarios for combat and uh, this, the exploration uh, factor just was really fascinating. I don't even know what to compare it to. It just felt like, I don't know, like almost like you were jumping around in free space and then, you know, what is up and what is down would change depending on what scene you were in. And I don't know, there, there was right. something definitely there. I think obviously something was there. I don't think they'd be bothering with this, this follow-up. Yeah. Maybe like uh, Descent. Do you remember Descent? Yeah, very much like Descent. In fact, I was just thinking Descent and I was going to bring it up, but then I changed my mind because I was thinking, that's too old and obscure. (laughs) Well, they're they're doing a remake. They're doing a remake of Descent. They're doing a remake of uh, Kickoff, if you remember that old Amiga game. And uh, which one? Oh, Shadow of the Beast had a new trailer as well. So old stuff coming back. Old stuff. It's all coming back. Catch it. <laughs> uh, Street Fighter Five. Oh no, sorry. Before Street Fighter Five, we have a release date for No Man's Sky finally, yeah. and it's June 2016. Ah, everyone seemed to be collectively disappointed. And I think the hype for that game has been so high that now it's sort of dying down a little bit, and people are just like, "All right, fine, whatever. Just give us the game. That's it. We don't, mm-hmm. you know." And I think it's good that they're delaying it because it's a very complex game to to create gameplay around, apparently, and they have to get it right. But I, I don't think we want any trailers anymore at this point. We're just going to wait, forget about it, wait until it comes out. And yeah. hype is not working anymore, right? It's so interesting because it's not. It's uh, it's almost like they're anti hyping it, which is hyping it more because <laughs> every, everything they've done for that thing has always been that soft spoken lead developer guy that gets out on stage and is and is you know 
his, his corduroy shirt and just kind of chilling out saying, yeah, well, this is a game we're excited about. I mean, he's not over the top about it. He shows enough to get people kind of tweaked. And for whatever reason, we have made this out to be the game that, you know, Lord Zeus will hand down from the clouds when it's completed. And I wonder a little bit if the delay or not delay, but the the time that from announcement or when we first heard about it until June 2016 might be because they are trying really hard to figure things out to match the hype, to 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 find a way to to nail the same uh, or, or to, 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 to get it where people have put it in their own heads, because I don't feel like they've done. They haven't been the ones that have made it so hypey. We've kind of done that. They've given agree, us less yeah. by them giving us less information, but tantalizing glimpses. They have overhyped a game, and that's a very strange thing to do. So, uh, yeah, either way, I'm jazzed. I can't wait to finally play that game. And that'll be, they were, uh, they keep saying, and I assume this is still true, they're aiming for a simultaneous PC and PlayStation 4 release. So that'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. Delayed to June 2016, I'm not too miffed because there are so many things coming out this holiday season. I think, you know, we have enough to play for now. Um, Gran Turismo Sport, which is basically Gran Turismo 7, um, was announced. There's a beta coming, uh, Q1, and it's going to include a VR experience. And there's going to be basically, it focuses on motorsports, you know, racing. And there's going to be a nation cup when you, where you can play for your, uh, country and a manufacturer's cup where you can play for, you know, a manufacturer you like. And they are going to go, you know, year long, uh, 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 championships with real life championship and prizes and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, I was saying that about uh, Need for Speed. Racing games are still a thing, of course, but th- there was a time in the 2000s with Need for Speed Underground where, and you know, in the 90s with, with Gran Turismo, where it was a thing that everyone was playing. And I don't think it's quite that anymore. There are fans, but I'm not super, you know, excited about Gran Turismo announcements anymore and i played the crap out of it when it first came out sure i'm not either so much um hmm, it's interesting the driving genre is interesting because as the fidelity of consoles and and pcs and devices and vr and everything get more and more a high fidelity you would expect that something like a racing genre would benefit the most from this increase in high in fidelity and it's interesting that it's kind of just kind of stagnated a little bit nobody's that interested in it um and I don't know why I can't quite put my finger on it, but I am as a player, not that interested either. But the other moreover, I was never totally all that interested in a racing game that was so focused on realism. Um, I'm much more uh, a burnout kind of guy. Uh, I love burnout paradise and all the burnout games and um, need for speed to some degree, at least some, some of their games hit it and some don't, but I, I'm way more on that side of things and, and, and to focus on the fun factor rather than the simulation. But I also understand the simulation is, is a, you know, there's a huge bunch of people who love simulated driving. So what excites me about this, not as a player of the game, but as someone who's interested to seeing what Sony does with the franchise is this feels like they're establishing it as a platform and less of a serialized game. So they're saying, all right, we're calling it sport. That to me feels like them saying, here is a new game that we will now milk for a long time and build stuff around it with, uh, yeah, maybe even esports co- uh, component. It sounds like some sort of, some sort of real life competitive something. Uh, that is that's much more than just a 
here's a sequel. And after that's done, wait a couple more years and we'll have another sequel kind of plan. So if anything, this feels like platform making. And I think that's probably good for this genre and for this game. Yeah, you're right. They're they're probably recognizing that it's a, a dedicated audience, more dedicated than before audience that's going to get into it and that's going to get very much into it. And they're saying, well, there you go. It's going to be maybe a, a service kind of, uh, well, not a service in the sense that you're going to keep paying for it. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it, what you said, basically. Um, yeah, and there, there are other games like that. And I can't think of any of them off the top of my head right now. But there are others who are, you know, they establish a I don't know, a baseline, and then they just sort of build on top of that. I guess MMOs are a good example. Um, MMOs, I suppose, you know, even MOBAs to an extent. Um, or Destiny is kind of that way, you know? A like, little bit, yeah. And MOBAs, sure. Like, it, the things that, the, the games that allow you to make a kind of a core thing and then expand upon that through DLC or expansions or con- or whatever it is, for for a very long time, that seems smart and wise it would be interesting if they launched this game i don't think they will so i want to make that clear right off the top of the bat but it'd be really interesting if they released this game as a free-to-play driving game and <laughs> you just purchased cars or you know microtransacted uh how it looked or yeah but then the championships it. would be that would be weird it'd be um, a little bit weird yeah, yeah you'd have to well i don't know i mean i don't know if it's any more weird than you know mobas and buying slash golding all the characters that you have or something i don't know it it could be it could be an interesting way for that that space to go but that does seem to be what's happening you see genres that used to be 60 dollar games becoming games that are essentially free to play with some kind of you know other payment model and that's applying to you know mobas certainly have kind of came out of the gate that way but shooters are sort of that way now um we're i know we're going to talk about overwatch here in a minute but you know, I'm, and I'm Street Fighter as well. Street Fighter Five is sure. going to follow that model. Um, it's going to be sure. a game that you pay for, and then you can add additional characters. Uh, yeah, so they're kind of going in the middle. They're starting in the middle a little bit with that to see. Kind of, I think they're testing the testing the water. But but it's interesting to see the genres that are um, that used to be just these full experiences that are now like they make sense with these new pay models. And yeah. I'm not I'm not wholly convinced that Gran Turismo couldn't fit in there nicely. So we'll see. Maybe. Um, let's go quickly over Dreams, uh, that game from Media Molecule, Molecule that made uh, Tearaway and, of course, Little Big Planet. Uh, there was a gameplay uh, video again that was, I don't know, I think, you know, I didn't really love Little Big Planet. I didn't love Tearaway. I understand the, the, the dreaminess of those worlds and what they're trying to do. And I'm not, but I'm not sure it's going to work in in this environment where they're saying you can create a game and you can create art and you can create. And I don't know how, I don't know that it's going to work. But again, I think it's interesting that Sony is pushing this and keeps pushing this. I think it gives their console its branding. Basically, it gives their console a, a different uh, image. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're more into those, but well, it's like we make weird stuff. And it's all edgy and strange. And that's always kind of been Sony's thing, I would say, since really like Shadow of the Colossus and that right. kind of era from PS2 era. That's when I started to go, yeah, Sony's got a weird, they've got a side to them that is that is experimental. Well, Ico, I, really. but Yeah, yeah. Ico, yeah, Ico is more, yeah, Over. that kind of started it all. But, but, but that sensibility has carried through their consoles all the way up till current. And I'm, for one, I'm glad about that. I know that isn't, that's not everyone's cup of tea. It's, you know, some people just all sports and all gears of war and all, you know, halo or whatever. But I'm, I'm a big fan of, 
of these offshoots in these strange directions. So none of this is bad for me. I'm I loved Little Big Planet for what they were trying to do, but I'm never going to call that like a great platformer by any means. I really liked Tearaway though uh, quite a bit. I thought Tearaway was just fantastic. Um, so while I'm interested in this, everything I've seen on this just st- strikes me as conceptual and not a game. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah I, same for I don't me. Know That's what to why make. I'm worried. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know what to make of it. Maybe, you know, in, in my hands, I'll feel differently. Clearly, aesthetically, they're they're doing some things I haven't ever seen before. And I appreciate it on that level already. But I, I don't know about the game game. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, Street Fighter V is coming out February 16. Woohoo! Hype! Yeah, you love Street Fighter. You're excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was a huge Street Fighter 2 uh, player back in the day. I love fighting games. You know, we were talking about the uh, the thing with uh, car games that were a thing everyone was doing back in the day. Uh, fighter games where fighting games were in the same spot. Everyone was playing those in the 90s and maybe even early 2000s. And uh, now, not so much. It's been, you know, Street Fighter 4 has sort of brought them back to the forefront, but not quite to everyone. I'm thinking Street Fighter V might get some people who were playing Street Fighter II or, you know, three back into it and who are still, you know, core gamers uh, back into it. And um, it's, I've tried the, I've played the two betas quite a bit and it's a lot easier to get into. It's not as hardcore as Street Fighter IV was. You can do stuff a lot more easily. It's still a fighting game, but um, so. How was the, that second uh, beta phase? Was it better than the first? That first one? Oh, yeah, even- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's what the betas are for, but the second one worked a lot better. It, it, there were, uh, you know, hiccups here and there, but it, it did work a lot better. I'm I'm confident they will have it uh, done by February 16. They still have a third beta phase, so... Um, cool. And um, so they announced uh, February 16, they announced they're going to have six characters, additional characters, that are going to come out in the first year, Um You can buy those with fight money, which is the virtual currency in the game, or with real money. And you can uh, earn that uh, virtual currency by doing daily challenges. We were talking about the the possibility of having daily quests, kind of, uh, and that's been confirmed. And um, you can also earn money by playing the characters, and they will put the emphasis on playing different characters. You're not going to be able to get the same amount of money if you focus on just one character. Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. And I think there is, uh, it sort of, it, you're, it's what you were talking about, what we were talking about earlier, that middle ground between free to play and game as a service. And I think it makes sense. You give uh, people 16 characters to start with, and then you can sell additional characters uh, afterwards, and they can buy them with money if they play enough, or I mean, with virtual currency if they play enough or real money if they don't have time um i'm and the game is again uh really fun from the experience i've had in the beta so yeah i am looking it'd be really fascinating to see if that works well for them to sell basically what you're paying for is a stable of characters and stages in the initial payment so you're paying for that and you get that and that seems like a big solid experience and then as new characters are introduced or released paying for those moving forward this may if this works this could very well possibly be the model for overwatch and shooters like it because this is the one thing we haven't talked about with that game is you know we've talked about all the other kind of models that could possibly apply to this but one of them could be a you know 49 core game which includes the entire starting roster and then as new characters are released rather than waiting for expansion packs 
you purchase those piecemeal. That makes kind of sense to me uh, in in that genre as much as it might in fighting. But maybe maybe the industry needs to wait to see how Capcom pulls this off or if it works for them and, and is successful before anyone adopts it. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. I mean, for me, I think Overwatch will be free with a certain number of characters initially, and then you can buy more. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, yeah. And then we have Tekken Four. Uh, I'm sorry, Tekken Seven finally announced for PlayStation Four um, and Xbox One. By the way, there was very little doubt that it was going to come. I still like Tekken. I think it's a little bit more hardcore than uh, Street Fighter. Um, but, you know, it's still a, a fun game. Um, they did announce it was going to come with VR experiences in it. And I'm not sure what that's going to mean. It's probably going to be a side thing. Uh, I mean, um, Harada's team has been working on Summer Lesson, that VR experience when you tutor a, a bunch of uh, high school girls, which honestly makes me a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But they've been working on it. I think, you know, Tekken always has had some weird side games like Tekken Ball and Tekken Bowl and uh, a bunch of things. I think it's probably going to be a side experience. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what it is. And, of course, I'm looking forward to the actual game. They didn't give a, a date, though. Yeah, I'm actually fine with... This is one thing that's, uh, that I've heard some criticism about, but I think it's more just the terminology. But I, I like the idea of most games admitting that they're not good VR games moving forward with Morpheus or rather uh, PlayStation VR. Uh, and rather they just say, yeah, but we'll also, we'll include a little something, you know? And I'm, I think that's cool. Like I, I like the idea that I can buy a Tekken game and know that the Morpheus, which I purchased for all these pure VR experiences is a thing I can pop on real quick and see what, you know, Hiachi's doing with the so-and-so or whatever, <laughs> the, whatever this dumb side thing's going to be. But they're saying it a lot with a lot of these games. It will include VR experiences. Yes, it's a little, you know, I don't know. It's a little like they're trying to coin a new phrase or something. But but I I don't know. I, I, I like the idea that I can explore these games in ways that I hadn't thought of, even if it's some dumb little gimmicky thing. Uh, you know, the headset is integrated in such a way it's not like you have to do a bunch of weird setup to do something so i think that's fine i think that's great that's a great way to endear the you know the psvr experience to people more and i know you're going to talk a bunch about your impressions of it but yeah it's dead i'm fine with it bring what bring bring it on although i am a little com- de- uncomfortable with this the the what summer lesson about. thing yeah a little bit that's a little <laughs> bit weird <laughs> it is for sure uh you know that's japan for you um but yeah, the the idea that you can have VR experiences for some of the games, or you know, maybe they're going to put some VR thing on Uncharted Four after the fact. It it would be interesting as well because obviously it's it's first party developer. It, they want to push their VR thing. Um, that that's intriguing for sure. Um, and so talking about the PlayStation VR, um, I uh, had a chance to give it a try on a really silly, stupid game where you have to uh, basically put uh, soccer balls in the net with your head. It plays entirely with your head and you have to headbutt the soccer balls as they're, as they're arriving and it's kind of ridiculous. But it did give me a chance to evaluate the quality of the thing. And um, I want to say from the get-go, it has very... Not very, but relatively bad quality on the the quality of the the images. It's not maybe it's around PlayStation Three, um, a little bit above at this stage for graphics quality, and you can absolutely see the pixels on the screen. But 
I don't think any of this matters because the key thing is the latency in those experiences and there is absolutely none. And I was floored by that fact. I've tried, you know, the DK1, the, the development kit one for the Oculus Rift, and it didn't work for me for a bunch of reasons. It was, you know, it's very old, so the technology wasn't there yet, but uh, it didn't work for me. It felt like I had a, a, a TV two inches from my eyes. It, it didn't give me the 3D effect at all. And I have apparently minor depth perception issues, so maybe it wasn't perfect enough for me to to get it. But with the PlayStation VR, not, on, not only did it work, and I'm sure you know that all of the models now work, but with the PlayStation VR, the PlayStation itself being of limited power, it's a, it's a mid-range PC from two years ago. So you might think it's completely crap, actually because it's dedicated hardware and they know how to use it, it performs pretty well. But more importantly, as I was saying, latency is non-existent. So when you move your head, the, the image actually is completely stable. It is where it should be. And it contributes to the feeling of immersion incredibly. I mean, it does a lot more for your immersion than a a super fine um, screens where you don't see the pixels or uh, breathtaking graphics that make it seem... uh, like it's real. I'm sure, you know, obviously if you have those, it's better. But if you have to choose one, the latency, latency I think, is what you need to to get right. And Yeah, especially in, in this first stab. when these, For this first rollout from all these companies, I want that immersion and that presence to be paramount. I don't care if it's in Tron world and simplified graphics yeah. are totally fine with me. If I'm in that place, then I'm doing the thing we've all dreamed of. So... I, you know, I'm fine with that and I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm actually pretty pleased to hear this coming from you. You've, I've heard you say it before, but it's nice to hear that the, the latency uh, is not an issue and that they found some equilibrium there because that's really, really important. In fact, it's everything. And if it didn't, if, you know, if we can't have that one-to-one sensibility with what your eyes and, and your brain are telling then you, it doesn't then work. Point. Yeah. Don't yeah. even have it. Um, and so it, it's um, I, and, and it puts Sony, I think, in a pretty interesting position in that uh, VR war that's gonna that's brewing and that that's gonna play out in 2016 and you know maybe 2017. Um, it's we didn't get a date or price, by the way, for the PlayStation VR. That was a little bit of a bummer, but maybe we're gonna get those uh, at the PlayStation Experience in December. That they're gonna do so basically a month uh, away in Las Vegas, like mm-hmm. they they did last year. Um, but it's still, you know, Q two probably twenty sixteen. Um, but the thing is, you have the PlayStation itself, which is three hundred and fifty bucks or euros now. And when you compare that to the price of a PC that can run an Oculus Rift or a a Valve VR, you know, the HTC Vive, they're usually around the $1,000 or euros uh, mark. And you have the, um, the, the PlayStation VR itself, which is probably around $300, 300 euros. That's what we're guessing it's going to be, which is expensive for sure. But uh, it's still it's it sounds like it's going to be less expensive than the more advanced uh, headsets that are going to come out from Oculus and maybe Valve. Um, so the graphics are going to be better on that rig that you're going to pay a thousand, you know, three hundred or four hundred bucks complete for a PC version. But it's going to be a little bit 
worse quality, but as I was saying, the latency is good and mm -hmm. it's going to be half the price. And a lot of people already have uh, PlayStations on their, you know, under their TV. Of course, a lot of people also have PCs under their, you know, in their uh, office. But not a lot of those PCs can run the, the VR uh, hardware and software. And it's also a lot simpler. Whatever you do, the console is going to be simpler. So I'm thinking Sony is really well positioned there. Um, I think they might have a, a leg up even uh, against the other uh, players in that field. I think they have an enormous advantage. Um, if they play their cards right and if the public is ready to embrace VR and overlook one tiny detail, which is accessories after the fact for consoles have historically been a bust always. They never do as well uh, as it would have been if it was a pack-in, no matter what that is, whether it's a PlayStation Move or a Kinect or a whatever. They're always, uh, and these are mo more modern examples, but, you know, go back in time and look at every uh, example, even light guns but that's and robots. It, it's still, they'd still never sell very well. Now I'm not saying that won't happen I here. I think it's different here. It may very well be. And, and, and this may be the turning point. And I just know that that has to be on their minds though. Cause it of is, course. you'll never have a one-to-one -one sell for sure. Like you're going to have, let's say you've got 50 million PlayStation fours in homes. Uh, obviously okay, that's ambitious, that. but yeah. Yeah. But let's, let's, this is just so we have an easy number. Let's say 10 million. Let's say that it's a lot more than that, but let's say it's 10. Uh, they'd love a one-to-one. -one. I think they'll be lucky to get like 30%. One to 10. Yeah, not yeah, even. I think or it's... Or 10% or something. So it's really important for them on two fronts. One, to convince existing owners that this is a great thing to do. And, you know, it's hard to show. So it's difficult to tell people what they're going to experience without them actually experiencing it. But then to do that in public, you got to have like kiosks with these devices and people are getting pink eye. And, you know, there's a lot of complicated <laughs> things going on with convincing the world that VR is where we're trying to tell them that it is. And I believe it is there. It's time. It's just going to be hard to tell them. So but I that's, think that's the same for everyone, though. The, all of the players in that field, you know, it's the same for them as well. No, you're absolutely right. And the, the only difference being PC enthusiasts are used to having weird hardware. I mean, they're, I they're, guess, used, yeah. they're used to going, yeah, I need to, if I really want to do this, I need that um, a, a AR or whatever it is tracking thing for this flight simulator. I've got to buy this stick for, for uh, you know, Elite Dangerous or whatever. And like they, they kind of already are in that world and they're also used to spending way too much for hardware, a single video card for $450 or, or whatever. So, they, so in some ways they have advantages in the, in the culture of a PC enthusiast. Yeah. But on the on the console side, you're trying to convince you know a lot of parents and others that are just like, well, wait, what are we doing now? We're adding what to this thing, and it's just a little bit harder of a sale. However, if they can break through that somehow, marketing wise, or or just blowing people away or whatever, then they are perfectly suited to not just do well in this initial VR rollout, but perhaps lead in it and dominate it. Uh, you know, from a from a broader audience perspective, and I really hope they're on it for that because. Um, you know, it's, it's very exciting to think about the simplicity of their offering versus the relative complexity of what the PC sides are going to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think it is different for, you know, the accessories add-ons to a console, because this is kind of the most equivalent to a different experience, uh, that you can have. It's kind of, it's not like the, you know, 
what was it, the 32X on the Mega Drive uh, oh. that would get your games better or a different console that's kind of, you know, the, the 3DS, the new 3DS. Obviously, no one's going to develop for the new 3DS because you cut yourself away from everything on the, the, the 3DS. So you're going to develop 3DS games. In right. this case, it's kind of like if you want VR games, then you ha you develop for the PlayStation VR, which happens to be using the, the PlayStation. I don't think many people are going to think I could do my game for PlayStation 4, but then make it compatible for VR. Some of them might, but the people who are going to develop for PlayStation VR are going to do that. And yeah. so, yeah, I think it it is a little bit different, but yeah, I, I, also, I agree with you. We're, we're also in a better place. I don't want to, I don't want to diminish this too, because we're in a place now where let's plays with people freaking out on horror games and <laughs> million streams and a thousand blogs and a million reviews and everybody everywhere talking about stuff all the time bodes well for the accessory market in a time where good good word from people you trust and respect goes a lot further than it used to. When the 3D and when the 32X came out for the Genesis slash Mega Drive, people were like, Oh yeah, that seems cool. But you're reading about it in Game Pro magazine. You weren't really, you know, you, if you were connected into the community of, of gaming, it was because of magazines and other stuff. You weren't really getting this on the internet. You didn't have the wide array of of uh you know people telling you what's good and what's not good so in a way i think this culture we live in now with all this exposure probably helps them assuming yeah. the experiences are if the experiences are really compelling then and that's a big if actually we don't know that playstation vr uh, you know that vr we're excited and we think it might be the time for vr but it might turn out that actually it's fun for five minutes and then you stop using it Yeah, there's so many questions about it. I mean, yeah. it does feel like a bit of a risk, and, and I'm so glad everyone's taking this risk. Clearly, it's compelling enough for them to all make very yeah. big multi-million dollar bets on this. But, um, man, they're taking a risk on a thing that is nearly impossible to show off. And, <laughs> hey, and but, well, so actually, um, let's, let's talk about the games they did show off uh, and tell me if you've been sort of uh, intrigued by those games. Uh, they showed Rigs again, which is a... A, a, an esports focused uh three on three mech action uh game where you have it's kind of like you feel the NFL NBA Americanness of the commentary behind the the gameplay it's you're in mechs you're in arenas and you have to score by getting your mech inside a specific zone and um it's perfect with the mechs obviously because you have you know giant robots so you can move your head independently from the movement of your machine so that's perfect for vr there's until down until dawn sorry uh rush of blood which is an offshoot of the until dawn horror game where you're basically on a rail shooter and hopefully it's going to be very scary i'm not going to play that um Robinson, which is a Crytek game, is basically a Crusoe game where you're lost in a world with dinosaurs. And there's an experience based on the movie The Walk, which apparently isn't great, but it's a guy that walks on a tightrope between buildings that are, you know, he walks 110 stories high and you can have that experience with PlayStation VR um, as developed by Sony Pictures Entertainment. Any of those got you excited? Um... No, I'm mean, well, I mean, yes, yes and no. Like all of these are exciting <laughs> to me. Yeah, I, I think the title of the episode might be PlayStation VR. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yes, no, or maybe, maybe is a better title. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, the problem is with all of them, they sound great on paper and I'm sure some of them are incredible. And I keep hearing things about this. Is it 
oh, what's it called? Um, oh, maybe it's Oculus is doing it. Somebody's got something called Toy Box. Is that Sony? Ah, uh, I'm not sure. But I keep hearing that this this one experience, which is literally open a box and play with a bunch of widgets and toys. Oh, right, right. It, I think it's Valve. Uh, I it might so. be Valve. Yeah, yeah. That it's one of the most compelling things you've ever played. But on the but on, on paper, it doesn't even sound like a game. It just sounds silly and, you know, well, it's this sort of just playing around with objects. But when you're actually in there, it's one of the most compelling experiences. So every time I hear about something that sounds like an amazing, like you could tell me Skyrim for VR is amazing. I would I would believe you because I've got some reference point for that. But in truth, that's probably a terrible experience. It's probably not mm-hmm. good at all. Probably not optimized. I've, I've played the mod on the DK1 that someone made to play Skyrim in a VR environment. And it sucked. It was horrible and made me sick. Um, and, it, and it just doesn't work. And if you think about how that game works and how you move and what you have to do, it doesn't, it's not at all tailored to a VR experience. So every time I hear one that sounds good on paper, I have to think for a minute and go, no, all right, now wait a minute. Is this, is this a forward thinking thing where they've taken into account all of the, all of the stuff? And can, you, can you play it for more than 10 minutes without getting yeah. incredibly tired and, you know, having a heart attack? Yeah, I think the rigs what, one might be heavy. Sure. And some people really want that. And so I think that's good. They're going to provide those kinds of things. But I mean, every, every time I talk about VR, the thing I get most excited about, and this is, I don't know what this says about me, but I'm, I'm way more compelled by the things that are less video games and more exploratory experiences where I can do things. That Robinson thing in, in living with dinosaurs. Yeah. And that's cool. See that, that, that to me is the more compelling sounding experience. Now what you actually do in there, I don't know, or what gamers will expect from that. I don't know. But, you know, if you told me, hey, Scott, here's a VR, uh, quote unquote, experience where you get to uh, break into a a pyramid for the first time and then dig through this old tomb and and open up sarcophagus and see what's in those things and and find weird scarab beetles. And, you know, that to me sounds incredibly awesome, but that's not a game. It's more of a let me look around at stuff. So that's going to be a really interesting divide because I feel like we're going to get a ton of both of those things and people are going to have expectations. And I don't know which side I land on yet because, you know, again, nobody's giving me a complete experience. And once you've been through, you know, my my scenario of going through the pyramid, once you've been through that, well, then what do you what else do you do? So definitely yes, no, maybe. Yeah, it's it's totally yes, no, maybe on all and on your original question to get down to the brass tacks. It is totally yes, no, maybe. All right, let's move on. Um, I played The Division, uh, which was interesting. You know, The Division was a game that was introduced a year and a half ago. At uh, I, Was it two and a half years ago? I can't even remember. Two and um, a half, roughly, yeah. Something like wow. that. E3 of 2013. Yeah. Um, it's a game by Ubisoft. Uh, basically, you're in uh, devastated New York, and it's a co-op thing, kind of half MMO. I think what they're doing is basically a... Um, a destiny like uh, co-op slash PVP instanced uh, game and uh, mm-hmm. FPS or actually TPS and um, you so you get into the game and it was the dark zone which is the PVP area and they told us you know you don't necessarily have to kill all of the other players you can kill the the gangs that are roaming around that are basically uh, PVE encounters but you don't have to kill the other players and of course it was a, a game where no one cared about anything so everyone was killing everyone it was kind of ridiculous but it seemed 
interesting. Uh, it's a lot more stra strategic than I thought. It's not a very action-oriented... Well, it is action, but you have to cover to be undercover, not undercover. You have to take cover. You have to make sure you're not exposed. You have to decide who goes where and who does what. So I enjoyed the fact that it wasn't crazy, shoot everything in sight uh, necessarily in the gameplay. Um, but ultimately, it was kind of a short experience that wasn't representative of what's going to happen when the game actually launches. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't say I can't say anything definitive. Obviously, for 20 minutes, you can't say anything definitive. But I'm I'm intrigued, and I'm looking forward to see how they tackle that problem of getting people to play together, uh, mm -hmm. because Destiny has done that pretty well. And getting people to play together in that world. I just don't think it's going to be that incredible MMO-like experience um, that we envisioned initially. And I also have to say that it is a lot less incredibly pretty than it was when they first showed it. Uh, it's kind of like a, a good uh, PlayStation slash Xbox One game, uh, yeah. graphics-wise. So I'm intrigued. No. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued as well. And did you... So the the everything I've ever heard is that it plays or feels a bit like Destiny in that limited amount of game time. Did you come away with that feeling at all? Um, the, well, it doesn't. Know, it's, not, it's obviously not space, and it's not you know crazy. Yeah, games. it's not. It's not Destiny in the sense that it's not a, a you know FPS action uh, oriented like that. It's as I was saying, it's a cover based thing, and it's a lot more slow it's a lot slower than even gears of war so no i wouldn't say it plays like destiny on the core gameplay point of view i think it might play like that in the sense that you explore uh, an area and you have different portions so when you're in the middle of a zone you can go through a kind of a portal and it tells you not a portal, but a portion of the map, and it tells you, hey, you're entering the dark zone. So at that point, you know that you might encounter uh, PvP experiences where you're going to get killed by other players. If you're mm -hmm. not, you're in another area of New York, and you're staying in the zone where it's just you against the, the, the computer. I don't think... I think... Again, I don't know this, but I think it's going to be maybe, you know, 10, 20 players on a map, not yeah. 200 or, you know, 1,000 on the server. But, so it was a lot more uh, uh, instanced, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I think I'm okay with that. I like yeah. the more thing. It's kind of like, you know, Destiny, Fantasy Star Online, uh, maybe even to an extent, ah, uh, um, oh, the not Mad Max thing. Oh, my God, mm. the Borderlands. There you oh, go. Borderlands. Okay. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, you can't do oh, more than four on that. I like that, the sound but. of that. I'm a huge. I'm a huge Borderlands fan. Well, just in the sense that you play against the computer, not sure. Sure. No, I get that, it. Yeah. 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 No, I. That's one of the things I. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of things I like about yeah. Destiny, about uh, about that, and I like about Destiny. But uh, look, if they can bring this kind of near future, post apocalyptic, modern guns, burnt out city, gotta survive sensibility to what what is left of a military organization kind of vibe then um if they can do what they've kind of shown us and have it feel that way uh, the rest of it's kind of gravy you can build good game loops uh, around all that and that's that's exciting yeah and honestly it seemed like it worked so yeah we'll see good. i don't know if it's going to work you know the thing is with these games you play them for a very very long time and i'm i'm thinking there are going to be a lot of games that are fighting for our attention in that field so we'll see um, yeah. Let's talk about Overwatch a little bit. We did talk about 
it for a long time on the instance last week. I did talk about it on Overwatchers, our Overwatch podcast, which we relaunched with Garrett Weindrill. You can find it uh, if you look for Overwatchers or go to amove.tv. Um, and we talked about our first impressions on uh, the instance again uh, in theinstance.net. Uh, for an hour and a half or so, it was crazy. So yeah, very we, quickly, we first... Donated, we donated the entire episode to it. Yeah. This that way, yeah. So first and second impressions very quickly on Overwatch. Uh, you know, Overwatch is the obviously the uh, competitive or PvP FPS uh, from Blizzard. It's been announced a year ago at BlizzCon. Oh my God, I had just started the show. Uh, Pixels had just started. It's a year old. Um, and we we played it there and it's finally out. The beta is out. Limited amount of uh, access. You don't have beta keys. It's just if you get flagged, if your account gets flagged and they're flagging randomly uh, people more and more now. Um, so yeah, your first and second impressions on Overwatch? All right. My first impression was I was... Um blown away by the game um polish wise gameplay wise it's everything i need um, my favorite kind of competitive shooter to be i am not a call of duty i like call of duty but i don't like call of duty multiplayer never really been my my bag uh but i love quake i loved unreal i loved that era of shooters and i uh missed them when they went away for a long time and i'm so happy to see them back including unreal which is unreal tournaments awesome the new one which is uh, unreal yeah, it's very unreal. Um, and uh, this is very much in that sort of vein. Um, it's, you know, everyone wants to compare it to TF2, but the more I play it, the less I'm interested in calling it even remotely like that. Um, the only real comparisons I would give is, you know, character-wise, there's definitely some, some uh, you know, what do you, what do you call it? It's very stylized and, you know, the characters are very goofy and have a lot of personality and stuff. And that's that's to be expected from Blizzard games generally. But um, I think the comparisons kind of end there. It feels more to me like if Unreal, uh, Heroes of the Storm, and and maybe maybe the class based system of a TF2 kind of had a baby. This would this would be it. And then it's got all that polish and and tweak that Blizzard tends to give all their games, uh, even at this early beta stage. So my first impression was, wow, I want to play this for the rest of my life. Thank goodness it's here. Oh my gosh, I can't stop playing it. My second impression is. There is a lot of nuance and a lot of character, team composition, strategy, and tactic to be had. And uh, I played a couple of games with you and uh, Dills and some others. So I, I kind of have an idea of what it's like to play with friends and also to solo queue in that game. And I am more excited about it than I have been during the entirety of, of, of the lead up to this beta I think it's awesome. I cannot wait to keep playing it. Every time I talk about it, I just want to play it. <laughs> um, it's bringing shooters back in a way for me that um, that I haven't felt in a very long time, and I'm jazzed about it. So, yeah, first and second impressions are roughly the same. They're they're delivering on what we hoped they were they would deliver on, and now it's just a matter of getting this thing tested out, getting whatever content we're going to get, finding out how they're going to sell it, and then playing it until we're dead. Um, I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of um, uh, parallel to be made between Overwatch and other FPSs in the same genre and things like uh, Hearthstone with Magic and Heroes with, uh, uh, you know, LoL and Dota 2. And there are a lot of people, I think if we're talking about the way people are approaching uh, Overwatch, there are a lot of people that are looking at it and coming from the perspective of their of the game they love 
and saying, oh, but it's not like this, or there's this aspect that is not uh, similar to what I'm used to, so I consider it to be failing in that way. Or there mm -hmm. are some elements of it that are different, and so I'm not seeing them because I'm focusing on the elements that I'm familiar with. And that is absolutely not my experience. I'm also not a super hardcore uh, FPS nerd. Um, I'm a lot more... You know, FPS, I like them here and there. I played Unreal. I played a little bit of uh, Doom. I played, I played some Overwatch, obviously. Uh, I'm sorry. I played some Destiny a lot. Uh, I played Call of Duty here and there as well. Uh, but this one has a lot of things to be liked for people who are not big FPS fans. Um, there are characters that you can play very easily, even if you're not a, a, an expert at shooting stuff. Um, there are characters that are... Uh, always strategic in the way you're going to play them because they actually don't need you to shoot stuff. So you're going to place turrets, you're going to heal people, you're going to make them move faster, stuff like that. And that contributes immensely to the victory of your team. Um, there is uh, There are elements that make you think, well, this game is broken initially because it's a, a very focused on attack and defense. And there's always a point that you need to attack and defend. And one team attacks, one team defends. And sometimes the point is moving. It's a payload you have to, to move by being close to it. Sometimes it's a point that you have to get to. And when the people defending are are putting up lots of turrets, then you think there's no way I'm going to get through that. And you get you die repeatedly on that thing and you spawn and you die and you spawn and you die and you, and you think, wow, this is broken. And I have heard some people saying that. But after, I don't know, a, a, a half an hour or an hour of play, you start understanding that some characters are perfect to counter those situations. And if you manage to play that character relatively well, then you can absolutely overcome that um, situation that you've been uh, uh, bashing your head against for half an hour before that. So there's a lot of strategy in that sense. And of course, you have to play that character better than the other team plays the character you're countering. But um, it, it absolutely works in that way. And it, it has so many characters and they're all cool. All of them. Initially, there were some that I didn't like, but the more I'm playing, the more I'm finding out that all of them have, have like two or three super cool abilities that make them fu just fun to play. It's pure fun. And yeah, I'm having do. fun whether I'm winning or, or losing, actually, which is surprising. Yeah, and there's great world building happening without... Blizzard does this really well, but they do this a lot with just personality and kind of just the way the way a character moves or does things or the little quips they say, you start to get a feel for, for what this character is in a very real way, like in a, in a, in a way you would in a comic book or anything else. And they're, they're able to do that uh, without any story preface to this other than the intro video we got at BlizzCon last year, um, which doesn't really say that much either. But I'm also noticing that here's a little theory of mine. I think they have a lot more planned with the story than we think. Um, we already know that they've mentioned things about, you know, they're excited about how to express the story of this game, even though they've gone. Yeah, we thought about maybe comics or videos. Sure, or some other stuff. But I'm not so sure it won't be more in-game. And the, my theory comes from this. I've noticed just a couple of things. Uh, there's the one city, uh, I guess it's in London, or in, yeah, in England. Yeah, Kings Row. Giant, Kings Row, where there's all those giant robots wandering around, kind of keeping uh, keeping a look on the city or whatever. 
Uh, there's something going on with that. That's that's more vague, and who knows? That could just be window dressing, but I think it's more uh, the the um, the payload that you're escorting, uh, specifically on the I forgot which map, the Indian Numambi. map. Numambi. You're talking about the intro cinematic, right? Yeah. And well, the, yes, and then and in that. In the payload as you're walking through the street and, and walking this thing to the... When, when you're actually playing the game, it seems a little insane and there's grenades everywhere and you're trying to knock a die and you're trying to kill everybody. So you're, so it's not exactly something you'd notice right off the bat. But if you're ever in skirmish and that thing's just parked in the middle of the road, go look at it. The gauntlet from the intro movie that the kid uses to to blow what's her, or uh, to get Death or whoever it was the hell out of there. They're not Death, Reaper. That gauntlet is in a containment pod riding on top of the payload and you're trying to escort that thing somewhere important. That all leads me to believe there's way more under the under wraps here about <laughs> story and character and knowing what I know you about Christmas. You think in-game? I, I don't think there's it's going to be in-game. but uh. I, it, Even if it's not overtly in-game in terms of them telling big you know, like single player stuff. I don't think there's maybe. I don't think they're going to either. But I do think there'll be a lots of little references so that when we do read that comic or see oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. CGI Absolutely. video, we'll go, oh yeah, that's that thing we were moving around in that one map, or that makes sense why that clock is broken in that room, or you know, whatever. There'll be a lot of that sort of Easter eggy stuff, which is very compelling and very fun to watch. Um, what only thing that bothers me about this game is we're not even a week into the beta. Uh, or I guess we're about a weekend. And there are already people who are absolutely dominating <laughs> the freaking game. And this is a very limited beta, but there are people who are just killing it. Now, I would say this. Even when you are on the receiving end of a really rough time, and I'm sure they're working on matchmaking and how to, you know, handle new players versus veterans and all that stuff. So that'll all come with time. But I've, I'm still having an incredible, incredible amount of fun, even when I'm losing. And yeah. uh, that's that's the hallmark of a strong sort of PvP experience. It's really, really good. I agree. I think when I'm winning, I'm always having a good time. <laughs> I think that's a given. <laughs> um, when I'm losing, I would say maybe a third to half of the time, I'm kind of pissed off. Maybe mm. a third. Uh, and two-thirds of the time, I'm just having a good time. And I recognize that they have that defense or attack locked down. And they mm-hmm. just they they're just a better team, so it it never feels like you're losing because you're you're you know you're not the game is not letting you do what you want to do. You're recognizing the strategy of the other team, which is just better. And maybe your team sucks, but you know that happens. And just playing the character, playing them, as I was saying, their abilities are so fun that when you get that one kill or that one use of your ability that works, it feels great. So. Um, and so they have a controller, you know, console controller controls uh, integrated in the game. It seems very likely they're going to announce at BlizzCon next week, at the end of this week, actually. Oh, my God. Um, they're going to announce uh, it's going to come to consoles. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe some kind of exclusivity with Microsoft, timed or otherwise. Uh, that's been in the, you know, rumor mill. And uh, and they also have a new character as well, which is super meta it's mm-hmm. Diva, a Korean StarCraft II player. So yeah. that's fine. Sorry, I, inter- I interrupted you, Scott. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I, I kind of interrupted you, but I just I just remember seeing this, that Major Nelson from Microsoft, from Xbox, is going to, he made a big announcement that he's going to be at BlizzCon. Didn't say he was going to do anything special, just that he'd be going. And this isn't the first year he's gone. He often goes. But to make an announcement that he'll be there has led some to believe that your theory about a Microsoft exclusive console thing, or at least a 
they get an early announcement or something. Sounds possible uh, for sure. It may, it may happen for real. So we'll yeah. see. All right. I could talk about Overwatch nonstop, seriously. Uh, if you want more, I'm doing regular videos now on uh, my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Patrick Beja, I believe it is. Um, and, uh, so I'm putting almost a video a day. I'm, I'm insane into Overwatch right now. It's um, so good, dude. It's so worth And those videos are great. They look good. Um, there's tons of new video content out there. Just generally, like everybody's doing stuff with it. So I feel like there is no shortage of really great looks at this game if you don't yet have a beta. And uh, just a reminder to people, there are no such thing as beta keys. Do not fall for any of these fake beta key things. Uh, your f- account has to be flagged. So if someone tries to scam you into that, you are being scammed. Exactly. So yeah. Um, and as I was saying, if you want more Overwatch, you can go to listen to you can go listen to the instance from last week. We talked about it for an hour and a half. Uh, Overwatchers, we did an episode, a quick episode, first impressions. But we're gonna do more as soon as Garrett is back from his wedding and BlizzCon. Uh, so early, I'm guessing next week we're gonna have an episode back, and we're gonna go nuts because I want to talk about it all day. Um, very quickly, <laughs> Nintendo announced their first smartphone game, and it's a me-based chatting app, and it's been delayed instead of coming out in 2015. It's been delayed to 2016, probably, I think they said March or Q1, early Q2, something like that. Scott kind of called the fact that it was going to be a crappy game. I kind of did. Yeah. I'm sad that I did. I, I wish I was wrong, but I was I was right. Um yeah, it's not look, I don't know, nobody should expect their very first foray into mass market mobile to be a a new never seen before Mario franchise starting game or something. <clears throat> I didn't expect that. I don't think anyone should expect that. Uh I expected more though than just a little social me customization app. Mm-hmm. Um this feels real low rent to me and it doesn't it wouldn't have felt that way in like 2008 on a, on a 3GS or something, but it does today. And it feels like there are a trillion apps like it. And I don't understand what they're thinking at the very least. Here's what I would have done at the very least. I would have ported uh, Super Mario Brothers dra- uh, puzzles and dragons. I would just port that straight over to mobile. It's dumb not to. That's a very good game. It's an extremely good version of puzzles and dragons. Um but uh, aside from that, so, it would have been at least a game, you know? I, I know. I think I know what they're doing. Um, mm. they're, they're, there are two things. First of all, it's a very Japanese market-oriented game. It's kind of a safe place to chat, as Nintendo's games always are. They're safe, and that's one of their focuses. It's for children or Japanese people who are basically old children. Um, so that's kind of what they're coming at. Uh, coming from but I also think it's a thing that is essentially a reason for them to get their infrastructure of their new network up and running um, basically they're, they're, you know, they, there's a new Nintendo accounts, Nintendo network uh, that works on, on all smartphones and the PC and the consoles and everything so I think this is more about infrastructure than it is about the game itself but it might be right. Yeah, no, I don't know. It probably is. It feels like they do need to, they have to establish something. I totally get it. But for them to get up and act like it's a huge announcement, and then the way they did the they language didn't. They to describe didn't, it, they didn't really, but the language they used to describe it is, you know, customize your me and interact with your friends in a whole new way. It's like, really? <laughs> it's the most PR boilerplate garbage. 
Like Nintendo's, we need Nintendo, Nintendo, not all right, fine, everyone. You, you've convinced us we'll dip our toe just barely into the mobile water. Uh, they, if they're going to do this, they need to really do this. And, and at the very least, just come out and say, well, yeah, this first thing's just this dumb little social thing. I, uh, I'm sure the PR would be very happy with them saying, it's just this dumb little social thing. Don't, don't even worry about it. <laughs> okay, better than that. So, yeah, it's this really cool, awesome social thing. But also, we've got a bunch of stuff in the works. And, and they just, mm. you know, instead they're just like, and Nintendo on mobile platforms? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That could be another title of the episode. Um, all right. So, yeah, a little bit disappointing, but I'm sure 2016 will have more Nintendo stuff coming and even more importantly, the NX. But uh, uh, yeah. talking about mobile, uh, Respawn Entertainment has announced that Titanfall is coming to mobile of all things. Uh, okay, I, I guess maybe I love Titanfall, but I don't know how it would work on mobile, but maybe. Um, and the new Xbox One experience is coming finally on November, November 12th. Um, the, I don't like the uh, UI on the Xbox One, so I'm looking forward to the new one. Mm. Might be yeah, and a lot of people, my people I know who are in the Partners Program or whatever it's called, uh, they they seem get the preview, fond, yeah. fond of yeah, the preview. Yeah, they're they're fond of the changes. Although I guess there's a lot of bugs right now, but uh, it'll it'll be nice to get that um, switched over. And you know, I don't know. Some people want the blades back from the original Xbox 360. I cannot <laughs> believe people are nostalgic for the Xbox 360 blades. It was a terrible interface. It was bad then. It'll be bad now. So I really hope it's nothing like that. I haven't actually seen any of this in action, so I don't know what, what no, to expect. It's, it's basically a, a panel that slides over from the left. Oh, uh, essentially, right. you know, that when seems you're in all game right. And, yeah. That seems like a thing to use to have. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and to conclude, oh, by the, the way, episode. Titanfall, real quick, Titanfall yeah. on mobile. Dumb idea. <laughs> what is that going to be? That's going to be some watered down, terrible experience. All right. That's all I had to say on that. Yeah, probably. But, you know, mobile is where it's at. Um, all right, let's play the uh, holiday season release bingo. Woohoo! We're going to be going through every game, and you tell us, uh, Scott, if you are getting it blind, if you're kind of okay having it on your Christmas wish list, or if you're just not interested, okay? Okay, okay. We're going to go through October, November, and December. October right. 6th, so some games are already out, obviously. October 6th, Rock Band 4. Uh, mm, I'm on the on the, for the holidays. I'm on the maybe for that because it sounds like it'd be fun to do that again with the kids. Uh, but but as a, if I was like living in my, by myself in an apartment, no. Okay. Um. Well, let's put Dragon uh Guitar Hero Live. Oh, for me, it's probably a non-interested because I would put Guitar Hero Live on the bottom of my Christmas list. What about you? <laughs> yeah, it'd be either of those. The both okay. both those games. I don't. I'm. I'm just not. I don't know. I'm not ready. I, everybody wants this. This again. Nostalgia for 2008 is weird to me. So just not interested <laughs> yet. Dragon Quest Heroes came out the 13th. Uh, I want it. There. That's my sound for wanting it because <laughs> primarily based on your recommendation, you seem to really like it. I really, really like it. I really, really like it. There you go. <laughs> um, Dragon Quest Heroes, it's surprising. I mean, I had a couple of good recommendations uh, from friends I trust. I got it and played it for like 10 hours straight. It's really fun. It's one of those uh, Romance of Three Kingdoms uh, Musou games where you go in and, and destroy like hundreds of enemies. And there's this weird... Uh, tower defense mechanic integrated into it a little bit and you have those super abilities and you control four 
characters at the same time or you know you alternate between them super fun i was very surprised so i got it and i'm happy with it all right yoshi's woolly world came out the 16th uh i'll say yes oh it's it's not way up on my list but but i love nintendo's magical gamey ideas they come up with and this this looks delightful and i would i would like to play it i don't think i'm gonna have time but I, i wouldn't mind yeah wish list for me because yeah. I'm not sure I would have time. Sure. Uh, Tales of Zisteria, the JRPG that came out on the 20th of October. I don't want that one. Yeah, I don't want it either. It's, you know, <laughs> JRPG. Some people like them, but I'm basically yeah. JRPG'd out. Yeah, with, I don't need uh, me more. With D- DQ Heroes and, you know, the menus. God, the menus. Like, when you yeah. want to buy something, you have to go through 15 different confirmations in, yeah. you know, in-game. Anyway, uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out the 23rd with the most different reviews I've ever seen. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, I'm fairly cautiously optimistic on this game because I think they had a lot to prove over last year's dismal failure of, of the French one. Uh, sorry. And then, uh, <laughs> so they have a chance to really redeem themselves. I like the setting. I like the look of it. And I'm a kind of an Assassin's Creed guy. So they may have, they may have me back interested after, you know, black flag I loved. So uh, if this is, if we're back, if we're back to those, you know, to that kind of smart Assassin's Creed game that I'm in and, and from the people I like and read, they seem to think it is. So I think that one's on my list. Okay. Wish list for me. I'm yeah. going quickly because you don't have a lot of time, so... Yeah, that's true. Um, Zelda Trisfor- Triforce Heroes came out the 23rd. Nobody likes it. Don't want yeah. it. Maybe if you're 12 and you have friends who have it and you play in the, you know, play yard, play school yard thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But online, it doesn't make sense to play because you have to be three players, so... Agreed. I mean, you can control the robot. Anyway, no. Um, <laughs> Halo 5 just came out. Yes, very interested. Um, I but want you don't that. have an Xbox One, right? No, I don't yet. And this may be the reason I get one. Um, but I, I like what I'm hearing about it a lot, a lot more than I thought I would. And, and maybe I want some Halo in my life again. I could care less about the multiplayer, but I do think I, I wouldn't mind that campaign. Uh, I got it. I have not had time to even launch it because I'm playing Overwatch so much. But I will play it, so I already have it. Yeah. Need for Speed coming out tomorrow, uh, today, November 2nd. Which list need to read reviews? Okay. Not for me, I think. I played the beta. It wasn't my thing. Okay. Call of Duty Blops 3 I'm coming done. out the 6th. I'm clear. I'm all good on Call of Duty for a while. I don't need any more. Yeah, good. same. I was very disappointed with the uh, future advanced warfare gun. I liked things. that one a lot. I liked that quite a bit. It was so I... dumb, though, the single player. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it has its moments. Uh, and I kind of enjoyed the cheese. But I guess I'm just... I can only do these now. It takes me a couple of years to be in the mood again, and I'm just not in the mood. Yeah. And, you know, enjoying the cheese, you'd think the Frenchman would do that. But, <laughs> uh, Yokai Watch, uh, coming out the 6th. Uh, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> okay. It's a 3DS game from Japan, very Japanese, basically a Pokemon kind of thing, kind of. Okay. Yeah, well, not for really. I'll say, uh, I'll put it on my, hey, I wonder what someone says about that. <laughs> okay. Fallout 4, 11th. That is uh, totally, absolutely uh, must play. I, I'm i Top of my list. Might be top of my list. Oh, wow. Okay. I think it's middle of my list. Maybe even wish list. Yeah, wish list material. I'm not going to get it immediately. Wow. 
Yeah, I know. I'm not a Fallout guy. And I loved, you know, Skyrim, but not Fallout. Sorry. All right. All right. StarCraft II Legacy of the Void coming out the 11th as well. Pretty high on my list. I want to. I want that campaign pretty bad. I'm well. You know, I'm going to get it anyway. Whether yeah. I, I mean, want I it or not, it, so I got it no matter what. But yeah, I... <laughs> Rise of the Tomb Raider coming out the 11 as well. Um, I'm irritated that that game went single platform through whatever deal they made, and even though I may get an Xbox anyway, it just bugs me that you go from multi platform to single platform, and I and so I'm kind of irritated with it. So probably on my wish list. Okay, that's the main reason I bought my Xbox One, so you know I'm going to get it the moment it's available. Yeah. Star Wars Battlefront coming out the 17th. Um, I need to see more about final game and total content, but as for right now, that's pretty high on my list. I, I had a lot of fun with the beta, so I want to try Same it. here, and uh, Star Wars Fever is going to settle in, so I'm guessing, well, actually just wish list, but I think it's going to be... Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be on the wish list, which I'm going to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, get, 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 get this one. Yeah. Uh, Mario Tennis coming out the 20th. It's Ultra Smash, I believe. No, I, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to yeah. care. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's an apt description of the way I feel. Sure. And finally, Xenoblade Chronicles X on Wii U as well, coming out December 4th. Um, let me give that one a big, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Same here, same here. So sad though. You know, it's a big Wii U title, but you have to be into Japanese stuff to like that. Um, which I am, but not that much. Um, right. so yeah, there, there are probably a bunch of other games we didn't mention here. Uh, uh, we couldn't go through every single thing, but, uh, if you, there is a game you're interested in, please come to frenchspin.com and let us know what you, we did, what we missed. Uh, and in the meantime, you can also go listen to Scott's shows, which you can find at, uh, frogpants.com for all of it, including our brand new show. Well, it's five episodes in, so we've been at it for five weeks, but our new show all about and for, the game Heroes of the Storm, also a Blizzard title. I'm so into that game right now that it's, uh, it was easy for us to justify doing a new show. So catch me, John, and Bo every week uh, on the Core show. It's called Core. You can find it at frogpants.com slash core. And for all the other shows and stuff, frogpants.com or my Twitter account, at Scott Johnson. Fantastic. For me, it's at NotPatrick on Twitter, slash NotPatrick on Facebook. And you can find my shows at frenchspin.com slash uh, nothing, frenchspin.com. And uh, you can also find the show I was mentioning, Overwatchers, a an Overwatch-dedicated podcast at amove.tv, which I do with my friend uh, Garrett Winesroll, who just got married, as I mentioned. So mm-hmm. congratulations to him. He's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for, for being on. It was fun. It's always fun, dude. I'll uh, come back anytime. And as we get closer to all these holiday games, it'll be fun to maybe revisit and talk about what actually was good. What, what we missed and we put in our I'm not interested bin that we ended up regretting. Mario Tennis, game of the year. Who knew? <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Scott, go do your other shows, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye. I know. Bye now.